Ladies and gentlemen, we have the one, the only Pete Lakowski from AmateurGolf.com, longtime friend on the podcast. We're going to we're going to get into it. Welcome, Pete. Thanks, Matt. It's always good to talk about golf at all, but competitive amateur golf is my thing. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, I love it. So, OK, let's get into you were at L.A. Country Club and Pebble Beach, home of the men's U.S. Open and the women's U.S. Open. Let's start at LACC first. Sure. Yeah, because, you know, LA is hosting the U.S. Open, first of all, for the first time in 75 years. Jeez. So the last time it was there was at Riviera and Ben Hogan won it in 1948. So it's really cool to just mm. be in Los Angeles. You know, any U.S. Open course is amazing. But L.A. Country Club, of course, is one of the best in the country. But first of all, it's just like the mayor, Karen Bass, is there, the uh, the council person, the celebrities that are there from the perspective of politics and government and what they're going to accomplish. That was as much as what I took in as I did the course itself and what's going to go on there. Because they're going to do a lot of charitable stuff for the city. Yeah. Had you played the course before? I had. Yeah. I had okay. it. every time around. I think it's only three times prior. Just an amazing place. But and I was also there for the Walker Cup in 2017. So I watched competitive golf there. But it's different now. Yeah. Spectacular track. I've played there a couple of times. Um, had probably one of my most memorable shots of my life there at the uh, the par five. What is it? 13 or 14? up alongside the houses where the Playboy Mansion is. You literally tee off like in the backyard of the Playboy Mansion. That's you right. pass the Spelling Manor. And then, um, I mean, my shot was just this hybrid from behind the green that just, um, I was trying to, it was a match play. I was playing against their, you know, A player. And, oh, I mean, that was the game changer for for me. And then and the match, I ended up winning the match. But that shot, the it, instead of chipping, I putted it with hybrid and went up there. And I was like, oh my, God, I'll never forget it. It's a yeah, spectacular place. It, it, it is pressure and it's like the low cut grasses are everywhere. Then uh, that, that little stretch of holes when you come up alongside the houses. And then I think it's going to be one of the shortest par threes, if not the shortest in US Open history. They have a tee that's all cordoned off right now. They didn't want any of the media hitting from it, but it's at oh, about no. 83 yards. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Number 15, Los Angeles 15. Country Club. They show it at 124 yards, but they've got a tee that's like 83 or 80, 80 something yards. No way. They're going under 100 yards. It's tiny. It's a tiny hole. It's it's basically like a miniature uh, hole that is going to make such great TV. And whoever is going to win the U.S. Open they're going to feel pressure about an 80 yard hole because you could make a six on this little par three if you're not careful. I mean, well, they did something like that it. at Marion, didn't they? They had a, a I, short par three. I think so. And course, it. Yeah. Pebble's famous for, for number seven, of course. And, uh, but yeah, it, it really was amazing to be there and to be in Los Angeles and know that you know, the, the property itself on Wilshire Boulevard is probably the most expensive golf course, real estate, maybe in the whole world. And it's huge because they have 36 holes there. They've got a beautiful facilities and the clubhouse has all been done over. Uh, you know, the people that were there that day really uh, made it special. And like USGA does it right. They had Dewars as a sponsor. And so everybody got an individual bottle of of, uh, of scotch with our name on it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. How incredible. Now, LAC, they have a um, a no celebrity policy for members. Sort of, kind of, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's uh, it's just a, a thing that's been unknown that the celebrities, 
either because of the club's desire or their desire, wind up at Bel Air Country Club or Riviera. And um, it was funny because I got pulled aside by a guy that's a, a screenwriter. So it might, maybe he's he doesn't count in that no celebrity thing. Mm. But he um, he pulled me aside and he recognized me like you get recognized. And he said, you, I love AmateurGolf.com. You just covered the Coleman at Seminole. Yeah. And, you know, I followed my friend, uh, Geronimo Estevi. And these are the tournaments that no uh, thousands of people don't care about or tens of thousands like an open, but people do care about these tournaments. So that always makes me feel good. I didn't get on the corporate jet, though. So what they did is they had Mike Wan, the CEO of the, of the USGA executive director and all the, the big celebrity media stars, uh, the USGA's key execs. They all flew on a jet right from L.A. to Pebble Beach, where the next day on Tuesday was a media date for the for the U.S. Women's Open. So, so OK, so you do LACC one what Friday or a Monday. And then the, the next Monday. day you're at Pebble. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> what a fun. And, ride. All right. Well, tell us your give us your your takeaways from the course just in general, like the setup, what it's looking like, what. um you know, and then and give me like a, like, who do you think will do well at a course like that? Sure. Yeah. I thought a lot about this, not just for this call, but after I said, who's going to win the open? I've just played here. So let's start there. First of all, the course is fairly, um, there's no second cut of rough. It's not the traditional tree-lined course with one cut of intermediate and, you know, primary, and then the next cut. It's not like that. It's going to look different for people on TV. It's very lynx looking mm. with the natural hewn bunkers. What happened was Gil Hance went in and he's, of course, famous for doing the Olympics course and everything else. And he went in there and he didn't like redesign the course. He tried to make it more like it was from the old days when George C. Thomas had this golf course. And typically they're removing a lot of trees from golf courses everywhere. So now the hazards aren't so much off the tee unless you catch a bunker. And there's some places they're going to make it. You know, it's going to be impossible. It's going to be like a penalty, like a pot bunker. However, if you can drive around that and the long hitters, the, the green sides is where you see this huge amount of rough. And I couldn't even see my ball one time and I had just missed the green. So that's where it's going to be. Um, it's going to require a Jordan Spieth, I think, to answer your question. Mm -hmm. I feel like you remember Chambers Bay, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 it's going to be if if it's firm and it doesn't rain, a guy like Jordan Spieth who's done it, everybody seemed to write that guy off and I just feel like he's due to break through and have another another amazing run. Well, it's funny. Okay, so you mentioned that what do you think of That's my Phil, pick. Jordan Spieth. You're picking Jordan. What do you think Phil Mickelson's chances are? I mean, he finished second at the Masters and you mentioned like driving isn't like it's long, like he he'll hit fairways. He'll be in the short cuts and his short game is pretty obviously amazing. Can he pull something, some magic one more time? I'm going to say if he's going to do it, this would be the spot coming. What he did in the masters is going to be one of the most underrated performances by an under kind of a, a, a guy right now that uh, is in, in the news more for controversy than his golf game. And whoever's watching the live tour and he's talking about Taylor Gooch and all this stuff. But in the meantime, what a finish, right? So maybe, maybe Matt, you, you, is that your pick? Are you picking Phil? You know, I'm always, I love seeing that because, you know, the poor guy just yeah, had so many heartbreaks. It would be pretty amazing if, if he did it. I certainly will hope and root for him, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Jordan pull it off or, um, you know, there's it's a lot be of a guys. different winner. I think it's going to be a different winner than some might predict going into the tournament. So, um, 
that that golf course is amazing. I'm just reading some facts here. Like, for example, one obvious fact that I took away from it was that it's the highest number of entries ever received in a U.S. Open. I think the the time before that was 2014 at Pinehurst. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and then on top of that, uh, it was a 10,100. 87 entries right and so this local qualifying that's going on right now and just yesterday i mean we what amateurgolf.com does say well, why is amateurgolf.com following pro tournaments and that's um we don't really follow the pga tour or the live it's really been nice to stay out of that controversy but why we follow the opens is because of the qualifyings yeah and there's going to be amateurs in every open and they're going to qualify some of them the hard way some are going to be exempt by winning the usam or being runner-up in the usam but the hard way is going through what's now local and they changed the name it used to be sectional now it's called final qualifying that's the 36 holes mm-hmm. like on that monday i think it's june 5th and everybody will go into that and are they changing that to be a uh, one round coming up or would there, no the usam is going to change the way they qualify there's going to be an Got intermediate it. qualifying because the usam always used to be enter the us amateur have a mm-hmm. 1.4 handicap or whatever you need and then just show up at a 36 hole qualifier and i think for a number of reasons it doesn't necessarily get the best players it, it gets the best players but they they feel like more players should get in and and more players will be exempt through the first qualifying which will stack the second qualifying. So the the sort of um, people that love the democracy of golf, they don't like the new thing. They dislike it the way mm-hmm. it was. But the people that are in the top of the ranking say, well, that I could take a little sigh of relief that I, I get into a more elite group. But uh, watching um, that is what we do at amateurgolf.com. So right now there's a, an article on our site all about the locals. And so yesterday was a very sad but incredible thing. This, this young man, Tommy Kuhl, Oh, Illinois yeah. golfer, a college golfer. He shoots 62 in his local qualifying. I mean, it's not just qualified. He's qualified by a bunch. And um, you can fix anything on the greens now. But what he did is he DQ'd himself after the round. You want to know why? Yeah, yeah. I heard that, but I don't know why. Because there was airified greens. First of all, why were the greens airified before a USGA qualifier? That's what, a whole another question. What qualifier was this? Uh, good question. I'll have to I'll have to look while we're talking. But um, I heard in Eagles Landing down in Georgia, they also had airified greens down there. Yeah, this is Illini Country Club, okay. so this maybe like their home their home course. And he basically um, cards a ten under sixty two, but he realizes after the round that he you're allowed. So this is a good rules thing. On the greens, they change it so you can fix spike marks and you can fix depressions and. Obviously, we'd always be able to fix ball marks, but you can't fix like natural damage and you can't fix aerified the holes from aerations. So it really put it in a tough place for him. He had to DQ himself because he fixed some aeration marks. That's right. And now he's in the news for the right reasons. I mean, it's nice to know that that's the case, but a golfer like that could have uh, could have gone through the next stage of qualifying. And that's happened a number of times, and unfortunately, this is what happens with golf media, as you know. Something when when I make a mistake on the website and spell a name wrong, we get more attention than we, when we uh, when we get it right. But you do that in on that purpose case, every now and then. Yeah, Tommy Kuehl is in the in the news for the wrong reasons right now. Probably will golf, the USGA you know? will they will they say look we'll we're gonna give you a special no. They they want him. That's the same chances of me getting on the USGA jet. It was a uh, it didn't you know, happen. We don't have a seat for you, but you're that lucky. Take your kid. starting time. 
So I got on Southwest Air. I left I left Los Angeles Country Club and uh, fighting traffic. I mean, there's so much traffic it, on, on 405, as you well know, from L.A. And I get to the airport. The flight's late. I get up to San Jose at midnight. But at least I knew the next morning I'm driving down to Pebble and I'm playing Pebble Beach. And that was mm -hmm. the media day for the U.S. Women's Open. OK, so this is the first time the women are playing Pebble Beach. Exactly. Like ever. Exactly. And in and the, it's, a, in the it's open. A, in, yeah. yeah. Had they played there? Like maybe not. Maybe not a know. tournament at all. I mean, the women have gone there. For example, uh Rose Zhang holds the Pebble. The, she's the current number one ranked amateur in the world for the yeah. most weeks. She passed Lydia Ko. So Ooh. Rose Zhang is amazing. She's like I don't want to say she's like the Tiger Woods. She is Rose. They're going to call it the Rose Zhang of amateur golf someday. Oh and she's really incredible. And she shot a 63 at Pebble in a tournament called the Carmel Cup, which is a collegiate event that's held there. That's right. But certainly okay. women have played there, but um, it'll be the first time women's uh, major is played at Pebble. Uh, Michelle Wee was there. Um, Christy Yamaguchi was there. Brandy Chastain was there. So in a sense, the media day for the U.S. Women's Open it was totally different. Like in one media day, you had the mayor and talking about the impact in Los Angeles mm. and things like that. Like at LA, before we even leave that, they're going to take this course called the Maggie. With it's within the um, um, Jim Thorpe. No, well, there's a park there in, in LA, and it's it's uh, I can't remember yeah. the, the Maggie name. Hathaway or something like that. Yeah, I think it's right, but it's I'm within not... a park named for a famous athlete that's slipping my um, my brain yeah. right now. And within that park, there's a course, and it's small, but they're going to do it all over. That's just one of the efforts from from LA. But uh, but at at Pebble, it was uh, talking about the impact of women's golf, uh, women's sports, Title IX, how things have changed over the years. And Michelle Wee was there. She's of course exempt because she's a a champion from 2014 at Pinehurst. Right. Um, so she'll be playing in that, huh? She'll be playing in it. And so here's one: she had never played Pebble before. Okay. She never, never she went she to went Stanford. To, she went to Stanford, yeah. never, yeah. never got on, never played Pebble. Never played Pebble. So, so Media Day was her first round of Pebble ever. That's right. That's right. So of course, I that's wasn't amazing. paired with her. The guy from No Laying Up, Randy, I think, from No Laying Up was, okay. was paired with her. And uh I watched him flip her for the tea on the first hole. I say, Why are you flipping Michelle Wee for the tea? She, she gets, gets the tea. tea. She gets the tea. <laughs> she gets her first. Thankfully, she won the the the, the tea flip. Okay, good. Um, and I'm not denigrating that guy. I just thought it was funny. I said, I would not be flipping Michelle Wee for the tea, you know? So no. she, so she goes off. Yeah. And I'm right. I'm right behind her. I'm right there on the tee. So I okay, got, so to you got to see her play. How's her game. I mean, could you tell from behind her? It's, it, it, it looks exactly like you would expect that she has been playing every day. I mean, the okay. swing is perfect. It's on plane. Number 10 at Pebble. She went on the back nine. Okay. She just laced it right, right down the middle. No problem. She had some white down vest on, a lot of clothes on, and because uh, it was cold, it was a cold day. Yeah, yeah. And then I tried to play behind her, but the guys I was playing with, they insisted on holding out. You know who you are, guys. And they insisted on holding out. I wanted to be right on Michelle's tail. It's the one day you'd like to wait for the people in front of you because I wanted to see yeah. her hit all her shots. Yeah, I mean it's just media day. What are you, are you, we are you gonna up. post around somewhere? <laughs> yeah, we couldn't keep up with her. <laughs> I don't think I'm posting that round. I'm just having a good time. No. So okay, how is the US Open at Pebble set up differently for the women versus when the men had played? So that's a good question. Yeah. I mean that first of all, like 
people wonder a lot what the yardage is. What what yardage are they going to play this course? And it's 6,505 yards, right? So that's about the same yardage that we play senior golf for age 65 and over or 55 and over at amateurgolf.com. So we know we have events. Um, but in the USGA, they'll creep up that senior golf now to 67 to 6,900 for the mm-hmm. same reason the pro yardages or the young yardages are going up. So, you know, 6,500 yards, looking at some of those holes, like the stretch of 9, 10, actually 8, 9, 10, and 11 are, are some of the toughest holes you'll play in a row at Pebble. And it goes 394 for number eight, 432 okay. for nine, 428 for 10. And uh, and then it starts, you know, easing up a little bit. So they're they're getting a lot of golf course um, for their for their money there. And then if the weather kicks up, which you never know, they could get some wind out there. Who who knows what'll happen? That's right. So I don't really have a prediction for the for the women. I I it, it could be anybody. Um, but it, it's just a totally different golf experience playing there two days in a row. LA Country Club, you won't see cart pass. It's a walking, mostly walking course. So that was mm-hmm. the biggest thing. When you get to Pebble, I love Pebble. I think it's one of the greatest places in the world. But if you fly a drone over Pebble and you look at it you can't miss the cart pass. They're yeah. there. They're part of that golf experience. When I compare Pebble with Bandon or LA Country Club, that's that's the biggest single difference. But the whole values at Pebble, every single hole, and some people criticize some of the inland holes. I think they're all amazing golf holes. Yeah, The greens are tough to putt and hit and the par threes. So I had a, a really fun day at Pebble. I didn't get paired with Michelle Wee, but- um, That's all right. It's okay. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, it's all okay. Right. So the, the just the dates on those tournaments, it's um July 6th through 9th for the US Women's Open. Okay. And it's um June 15th through um through 18th. So if you figure today's uh May 10th, we're a month away from the men's US mm-hmm. Open. And, and and there's a PGA in there too. Yeah, and there's a major in between. Yeah. I love how they restructured it. So it works out like this. I like this schedule personally. I totally agree with you. It was too long. This we all know the season's long. Yeah. And I, I think it's one of the reasons that Live Golf even had an opportunity with with uh, the fact that the season on the tour kind of just by being 40 weeks or 50 weeks a year, you dilute your product just as a course of action. That's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. So you've got your finger on the pulse of really all the young top amateur players. What and now they got these NIL deals and they can make some money. But what are they saying in terms of like where they're. What are they looking for? Are they going PGA tour? Do they want to be on a live tour? Do they like, what are their aspirations? Like in general, I think the the PGA tours, I mean, the live tour didn't exist. Even when an 18 or 19 year old grew up playing golf, they didn't dream of being on the live tour because it didn't exist. So we haven't gotten to the point where anybody's life aspiration is play the live tour requires a lot of travel. Uh, if you look at it today and look at um, what the PGA Tour is doing to make it more a better experience and more money for golfers, they magically, I mean, one thing Phil was right about, they did have like 800 million in their coffers somewhere and they magically found 200 million to start paying out to players. They're going to keep doing stuff like that. So I, I think if you're able to get on the tour uh, and, and, and the live money was, they were buying players for a while, but I don't see them doing that as much anymore. These huge deals, uh, where they would you know get somebody like, um, uh, that, that, you know, James Pyatt, you know, that guy won the U S amateur. There's no guarantee he'd be successful on tours. I use him as an example, not in a bad way, but only because if I were him 
Mm -hmm. But politics aside, the, the money he was offered is, is a sure thing in his life for all the work and success he had. So I'm not sure that exists today as much as it did when they were first forming the Live Tour. And plus the PGA Tour is better and they've got um, this PGA Tour rankings, which guarantees you some status. Like somebody like, but this um, this NIL program, now that's changed because when you look at Sam Bennett in the Masters, he's yeah. getting paid. Yeah. And that didn't exist five and 10 years ago. He's got a hat on from a, uh, I think they make, uh, the, the company makes those um, those plastic crates you put in your back your backyard. Yeah, I forgot what it was, but They're yeah. great. No, they're great. I have one. I was like, yeah, they're sponsoring Sam Bennett. And he had something else on the side. And I think he's playing ping uh, clubs. But uh, that was really good for us because whenever anybody's searching for amateur golf, it just really uh, elevates the number of uh, the SEO and the Google searches mm -hmm. that wind up in our website. And the next day they were taught, if you remember that in the masters, when he had such a run there, they were talking about him leaving and going to play Texas A&M Aggie Invitational the next day, the next day, six holes. Uh -huh. And anybody with a brain would say, he's probably not going to do that. But I put an article up on our website that, you know, once I knew that he wasn't playing, it said without Sam Bennett, uh, Texas A&M prepares to defend the Aggie Invitational, which they didn't win. They were the defending champs of their own tournament. Wow. So they, uh, but that article was our single biggest viewed article in April because everybody wanted to know mm. the question, is Sam Bennett playing in the Aggie Invitational today? Oh, interesting. Yeah. On a Monday. Yeah. So. How about like, um, like I'm out here in Scottsdale, Good Goods has their, you know, first ever Good Good Championship. We've got all these top, like you know, young pros that are chasing mini tours. They are corn fair, trying to qualify for corn fairy. They're, they got PGA, uh, they got Canada status. Um, these guys have been grinding great college players, but really can't, they played some PGA events, but you know, they're Monday qualifiers, amazing players. Yeah. But there's really like, there's not a place for these guys other than like what they're doing, bouncing around mini tour, mini tour. But with good, good, like ha they're going to have more of these things. Like, is that obviously these guys want to be major champion winners, but who knows? I mean, this could be something that where they can make a good living. Absolutely. And, and uh, I played with a guy the other day at Balboa Park, the Muni in San Diego. And right from the first shot, it sounded different. It looked different. Yeah. And I'm like, who did you bring to the tee today? And this guy's name is David Bradshaw. He's won 12 West Virginia Opens. The only person that won more was Sam Sneed. He's made it into 10 final qualifiers. So he made it past local and into 10 of the 36-hole finals for the U.S. Open, but never made an Open. He should be at your event. You should look him up and see if he's there. But my point is, he told me he was bankrupt twice, like completely down to nothing. And I said to him at the end of the day, I go, well, you, would, you weren't bankrupt because if you always had that Scotty Cameron $10,000 putter, you never sold it. So you weren't really bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, you got you got something to sell. No, these guys you sell your clubs. We got guys that are, you know, they're, you know, the um, I can't give away any scores and stuff, but um, you know, like four under got you in a playoff. Wow, for the top twelve, I guess I can't give a little score, but that you know, so like eight under was the low round for. So these guys are players. Yeah, of course they are. And there's that's my point. There's players everywhere and they Monday qualify. There's some rapper from Connecticut that was just Monday qualified for something and then made a hole in one on his fourth hole. 
as long as you're willing to put up the money, you know, even the Canadian tour to try to qualify for the Canadian tour, you've got to pre-qualify and qualify. And I think it's 6,500 or 4,500. It's not insignificant what the entry fee is just to get in. So if wow. you're, if good, good is providing an opportunity without a huge entry fee. Well, it was zero, no and entry that, fee. That's where you're, you're, you're going to see that that could really be successful if they can get the sponsors and, and uh, mm -hmm. put up even five and six events a year with that kind of a purse. I think their purse was 150 or something like it's that. It's a hundred thousand winner gets yeah. 50. Yeah. Um, all the top 12 get, I think, a $1,200 stipend okay. plus last place with 12th place, I think, wins 1300 bucks. So you're guaranteed top 12, you're guaranteed uh, $2,500, Pretty good. No entry fee, you know, yeah. so it covers some costs. But, you know, a lot of guys flew out from around the country to be a part of this. International players were here. Sure. And I don't know, it's... Who, who knows, but it's really cool to see the landscape of golf kind of evolve over the years. Yeah. And, and what's amazing to me is that even with all these big money deals and how expensive it is to live life, there's always people every day that are trying to do this, that think you've got to have a lot of audacity to say, I can do it. I can be a pro golfer. Well, what have you done before? Uh, Nothing. And I get the call. No, I get the call a lot from people that ask me what they have to do to be a pro or play in the U.S. Amateur. And I usually say, well, find the club champ at your club, the best player at your club mm -hmm. or in your area, the city champ, and play that person. Because if you can't beat that person, you'd have no business going outside your area. But um, sometimes it is that person or sometimes there's late bloomers. I've you know, met a lot of golfers that have started late, later in life. I remember the pro Rob Pampling. I asked him, what, what did you oh. do in amateur golf? He said, I worked in a pro shop till I was 23. It was a tour winner. Larry Nelson was the famous story in the old days, a U.S. Open champion that didn't start golf till 21. So it's there. If It can be done. It's a dream. How about you, though? Are you a pro or amateur? I want to know what your check's going to look like. That's a good question. I haven't won any money playing golf. So <laughs> I did go for a champion tour uh, pre-qualifier I played in a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think my, my, my mental game's uh, a hot mess, to be honest with you. But so other than maybe four holes, five holes, you know, I had a few bogeys, but like two holes I just blew up on, just lost my marbles mentally. Yeah. The rest well, of the time I was Because you're fine. not doing it 20, 30 weeks a year. You've got a lot of yeah. obligations with your business. You're thinking about all the time. You're constantly editing content. And you know, I, I've known you for a long time. And, and when we talk about what it takes to be a creator, Matt, it's it's as hard as any success on the golf course because every day there's some new creator and yeah. somebody else. And I've, I've even noticed on our own channels, it's just hard to get views. It's hard to get in the algorithm. So good, good. You're wearing the good, good hat. And Mr. Short game though, is, is uh, I'm, I'm proud of you, uh, what you've accomplished. And you, as far as uh, short game goes, we were, we were just talking about you somewhere and uh, we we're talking about maybe doing a, this clinic at an event at, at Pine Needles, if I can just yeah. drop a little potential, a thing we might do together and if we do that in october it'll be around halloween and uh that'll be a good opportunity for somebody to get a chance to improve their short game because you're very good at teaching it yeah thank you it, it's been exciting and um you know speaking of that like even with the um in that qualifier i played the uh, speaking of a short game and equipment like edel i played their clubs in the qualifier mm -hmm. and it wasn't the club's fault i didn't make it certainly i hit those really well it was um yeah. it was my brain but 
let's talk a little bit about because that's kind of new stuff that Edel equipment and it what is. they're doing. And, and seriously, I didn't uh, I didn't do this as a prop, but it's on my desk because if you haven't seen these Adele clubs, they're basically uh, there are clubs that have three weight ports on the back. Their wedges have it, but their irons have it. So like on my desk is this is this little case and inside the case is a hex wrench. It's really classy. Yeah, but, you know, basically these weights and the and the weights are. Um, if you try to do swing weight on an iron and what swing weight is for anybody that doesn't know, it's, it's not a total weight. It's a balance point. It's the balance point. It's, it's what you feel when you swing the club in, in essence. I don't know how the formula is, but a swing weight scale is not the same as a regular uh, total weight scale. And uh, I had the clubs made for me. Adele made me a set and it non-disclosure, just full disclosure. They're a sponsor. But they made me a set and they were too light. They, I just couldn't feel the club enough as I thought I would want to. So they had an extra set of weights for me. And it took me about five to 10 minutes to swing weight this whole set. But you're putting it in weight port. So you're not changing the feel of the iron. If you do it in a golf shop, they're going to stick lead down the end of the shaft. And that's going to change the way it, it doesn't even take a scientist or anybody, an engineer to know that's going to change the club. So I love the concept they're on. But the, the, you don't buy them just for that. You buy them. It's a really well-made product. Every set is custom made. And uh, they're in Colorado now. It's it's not a secret anymore that Doug Coors from the Coors family acquired the company. Yeah. And uh, you're going to see that on both of our channels uh, as as a you know kind of a, a different product. It's different. It's different. Yeah. For the, they for sent the me a couple sets. They sent me the um, SMS and the SMS Pro. Mm-hmm. And I like the pro. It's got a little thinner profile. And so I, I was hitting those. I was a little concerned that, okay, are these going to be too blady? How are my misses going to be? And what's great is with that weighting system, I feel like when I hit on the toe a little bit, I still get, I got a little extra weight out there. I still get the the distance, like the, the sweet spot is a little more extended out. Um, so the misses aren't, aren't bad at all. I love the look. I let a friend of mine, like uh, he's probably an 18 handicapper. He used the other the SMS first time out. He was, he gained probably 10 to 15 yards off his irons. You're losing those clubs, Matt. No, you're losing those. Yeah. So yeah, I'm probably never going to see those again. I, I think you've, you better, <laughs> but, keep you know, I wanted to see like, how can somebody, you know, just pick up a new set and what happens? He loved them. So I'm I'm really liking what they're doing. And then I had their wedges and stuff. I used out a big horn. And I mean, I love the look. It's got more of a rounded shape on some of these wedges. I love the look and the feel. They were they were great, not just to say it because, oh, you know, they sponsor some videos, but um they're they're just a great feel. And I yeah. love being I'm gonna do some more content on just how moving the weights in the wedges affects like where you make contact with the soul of the club for your chips and pitches. Right. I think that would be perfect for your channel as well. And I, I, th- I think when people look at uh, either one of our sites or channels, it's um, it's pretty clear. We, we cater to avid golfers, not just scratch golfers, but avid golfers and avid golfers are very, very um, quick to point out when you're disingenuous or you have something. I mean, I wouldn't sponsor I don't want to criticize any brands, but there are some brands that make some golf clubs that just wouldn't make sense to be on our deal. So amateurgolf.com has pretty good brands and Adele is a, they they're in a very unique spot in our site because they're not going to be 40% market share, but they don't need to be, to be successful. So Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I saw a guy with an Adele hat in North Park in San Diego the other day, and I, oh, he said, well, I had the putter, and I and I, I I want those irons, and I know I sold a set of irons because I told him how I had a combo set. I have the five and six of the uh, SMS, and then the rest of them are the are the, are the lower profile, the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. players club. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so what, what, you what, what else? You got any hot takes for us in the world of um, amateur golf, up and comers? um people on the that we should like we're all like where's the next tiger where's the next tiger woods where's that yeah. guy yeah it's the fact that that we can't really say that just shows you how uh, how one in a hundred years like the hundred year storm he's the yeah it's just we're just not going to find another one and and even his even his personality to have that kind of talk about audacity to to think he could hit almost any shot and i mean uh, I have one Tiger Woods story because I, I was on a podcast recently and all the guy wanted to talk about was Tiger Woods. Like that's yeah. how he still has fans like that. Like he right. wanted to defend why Tiger is the best ever. And I, I just remember uh, living in Carlsbad, California, the home of the golf industry uh, before I moved to San Diego. And one day I wanted to go see Tiger's match in the world match play at La Costa. And I went down there and it was right before Stephen Ames had said, uh, he was going to play him. And he said, I'm not really afraid of Tiger. He's, his, his driving's not that straight. I, I, I gave him a good match. And, and I went there and I looked at the clubhouse, had a huge scoreboard and it said Tiger Woods nine up. And then they were on the ninth hole. They had just finished nine. So I'd come there to see the end of the match. And I ran down to the 10th tee because I wanted to see a match end 10 and eight for the first time, like the history of the professional game. Yeah. And they tied 10. Oh. So he ended up beating him nine and eight. And nine so if and you eight. remember the the media interview, for those of us that are old enough to remember that, every question they asked about Stephen Ames, he just answered nine and eight. And that, and so I think the audacity and the fact that he could actually step up his game, the only one like that was like when Jack Nicholas, somebody put an article, I think his wife put an article on the refrigerator one year that said Jack's too old to win. And then he went out and won. And there are stories like that, but there's just rare people. So in amateur golf right now, I don't know. It, it, we talked about Sam Bennett. I don't know that he's going to be a next anybody except I think as that individual personality. That's what we're looking for beyond just the game, right? And yeah. Phil has it. Whatever your feelings on Phil, Phil's a polarizing player, but he has it. Michelle, we had it. Has mm -hmm. it still? Still, you know, when you're in, when you're, when I was in her presence, you know, one foot away, interviewing her, and I clipped my mic on her. I had to clip my little mic on her, and I, I didn't know whether I could, you know, actually. So I actually had to handed it to her, and she put it on. And <laughs> that's uh, great. She's got, and you know, just she's tall. Her smile and the what she's done in golf, and uh, she didn't even want to talk about her U.S. Open win. I said, you know, your U.S. Open win that was incredible. But when I mentioned Rose Zhang. She wanted to talk about Rose Zhang. She said, oh, Stanford. We've talked about how much she loves Stanford and what a great young lady she is. So it was nice to actually, since he, I didn't really hit home with the U.S. Open question, she kind of was like, oh, yeah, that was great. But when okay. I asked her about Rose Zhang, and so I said, here's a woman that's probably almost at, you know, at a point in the game where she's got a child, she's married, she's Michelle Wee West, but she is a, a huge athlete. And she was standing alongside Brandy Chastain, and Christy mm. Yamaguchi. And I think to myself, those those sports icons are few and far between, right? So yeah, I don't know who the next one is, but I know that um, when I watched amateur golf and I see these collegiate players, there was a time back in the 70s and 80s where everybody critiqued golf for being like robots. The PGA Tour player is a robot, doesn't show emotion. I don't see that at all. I think uh, like Sam Bennett is, is going to be 
needs it needs a full handlebar mustache and really to go yeah Yosemite yeah. Sam that's great <laughs> and we well, you know Texans too right Texans are yeah yeah popular bunch you I'll don't get you, a, you don't get a short answer with me Matt but that's no that's, I love that's it I love it the what was funny was um the other night I was out at the good good meetup at a Dobson ranch out here in Scottsdale there were over 2000 people came out to see i mean i had never seen a frenzy like that of people surrounding an entire hole honestly like that it was tiger woods esque filming like if tiger was there that's what it would have been like yeah that's how people would um position themselves two holes ahead on the tee box and around the green just so that they can be close to the action of the whole filming and the whole experience of good, good, or of the players or which, which part of it. They just wanted to see the players. They wanted to be close to them. They, they, they're super fans, you know? And so every time they do these meetups, it gets huge, huge galleries. And one guy, you know, poor Garrett rope hooks one off the first hole and nails some guy. (laughs) It's all over social media. It's hilarious. You know, the guy got taken care of um, a little bit. You know, you got some credit to the good, good store and some, I think Callaway's giving him a set of clubs and, uh, but yeah, all the P, all the memes on social media are showing guys with big knots in their head. Like here, it's not the guy, but you right. know, they're, they're, they're teasing. But it, you know, it was just, you get like a guy who's not a tour quality pro, obviously, you know, so like you get nervous. Yeah. But that's yeah. just crazy. It's crazy to see um people who are not on any tour. You know, they're not they're just regular dudes playing off and to see that kind of crowd come out for that. It's right. pretty Now amazing. did other media cover cuz if you think about it it's almost like this endless circle the YouTube competing with the traditional media. Did other media from like the local TV station come out to see this extravaganza or is it just kind of a secret deal that's happening yeah i don't know if local media was out there or not but it was there's a lot of like um social media people were out there you know Mm -hmm. posting about it right so there's there's traditional media with pga tour and even live right and 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 high amateur golf and then there's a whole new underground of like social media um media right which is totally different and it doesn't get picked up by a golf channel or anybody else. Right. It's just its own little ecosphere kind of thing. Right. Well, and and that's what I, of this media day, we, we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, if you're still with us at this point, that's cool. Uh, we talked about these U.S. Open media days at at Pebble Beach and, and at uh, LA Country Club. And what I noticed is that I've been doing this 23 years and it used to be we had the traditional media and then a lot of writers. And there was always the hangers on, the people that you know they don't even publish anywhere, but they're on the list and they're going to show up. So they keep on the list, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm somewhere in between. We we have a very big audience. We have millions of people on our site, in the, especially in the summer. So I'm, I'm pretty safe on my USGA invitations. But now it's the good goods. It's the no laying ups because the USGA is all they care about is promoting these events to the highest number of people yeah. for the for the lowest impact. And so when they host a day like that, and th- some of those people were on the jet, I was on the Southwest jet, but they were on the jet. They were on so the jet. Who was on the jet? jet? 
I can't you know, say. I'm not I'm not in position to disclose who was on the jet. I know Good Good was not on the jet because they missed their flight. Their flight got canceled to L.A., so they didn't go to L.A. They had to fly straight to uh, uh, Monterey or whatever. That's funny. That's so, funny. They, so they didn't get to L.A. Country Club. They did not. They were oh. supposed to be in L.A. and then head up to um, – yeah. Pebble, so they only went to Pebble. So they got to Monterey a day early and played Spyglass and did their thing. So, you know, I know they, in case anybody's wondering, they were not on the jet. Yeah. Pete, you're, we're going to get you on the jet, Pete. Uh, I, I, you know, the thing is, I don't need to be on the jet. I, um, I was, <laughs> I was fine with it. I, I woke up in the morning at a, at a winery and, uh, said that life's, life's pretty good. I get to life's play. good play play pebble beach and and even even though uh a couple of the golfers uh, were recording some very high scores you're right you don't post a score that day you're out there you're doing some filming you're doing some interviewing yeah. I, just the fact that uh, i got to spend some time with michelle Wee and just uh uh you know promote something that she cares very much about which is women's sports and you know, to even think about the sponsors like nike so we for for all the advertising and the sneakers they want to sell they're promoting youth, women's under, you know, all of that is coming up to sports. Sports is a amazing thing. And it's not just for the multimillionaires. It's what it does for people. What about a young woman that is in the business world that plays golf? What does that do for her when she can step up to the tee with any of the guys that are hackers and that snipe hook it and she just right down the middle? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, or a young man for that matter but i just think it's it's a it's a neat deal you know yeah. it's like golf is a great equalizer it always will be and that's i believe that's why you and i are, are doing this it's uh uh it, it you know from the first match you and i had we went at it at bayonet black horse and we played at tory in the in what's called the men's club but it really isn't a men's club it's a golf club we have women in yeah. the tory pines golf club we have a thousand members yeah that was a lot of fun good times last right so i've i've really enjoyed uh you know watching your success and uh i don't know what's next down the road for for the competitive game but the future looks pretty good for well you're in right it you've now. got your 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 pulse on like amateur golf anybody's listening you know check out amateurgolf.com go join go join the stuff all your info's there tournament entries trips you do you you, you host a whole like um series of amateurgolf.com tournaments that are great father son events yeah. all kinds of two-man championships it's a lot of I fun take a lot of flack for the father son because um i could call it parent child but it just doesn't have the same ring to it so we yeah. had a daughter we had a daughter this year at bandon we had 84 players and we had uh, uh megan uh carey and she played college golf at university of colorado uh, it was great to play with. I made sure my son and I played with her because I knew he would learn a lot watching how yeah. she goes about her business out there. Good so stuff. Well, Pete, welcome. thanks for joining the uh, the podcast. I always got to be a regular. We got to hang out and do this more often. So thanks. I'll be thanks back again. anytime. I'll be back, and I'll have have you on on ours as well. And uh, and 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 thanks. Uh, but if you have any more golf in uh, Arizona, enjoy it. Appreciate it. Take care.